hey, we don't have the rights to use this. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Paul, uh, and this is... Carrie. And we are Spare Bit of Parchment, and this is episode two. We're going to talk about more things that we didn't cover in episode one on the subject of wizarding art. And we actually have some fun stuff in store. We went downtown for First Friday in Sioux Falls and uh, recorded um, some interviews of some artists talking about how their art would be different. But first, we want to discuss some other aspects of art in the wizarding world and how it would relate to our world that we didn't quite cover in the last episode. Or we mentioned it, but just didn't elaborate. Yeah, it was a lot of tangential stuff and questions and questions so many questions yes do you want to top right into what you wanted to talk about well talking with the history of art about how wizard paintings would influence the history and one thing we kind of talked about was how with the painting being able to talk and interact and all that jazz they can tell the history of it but i was wondering about the accuracy about that mm-hmm and how much can be influenced either from the whoever is creating the artwork or what have you. Um, or if over time the character in the painting kind of forgets things or allows interactions with people influence what his or her history is. Right, kind of like uh, Phineas Nigellus being a biased person. Yeah. He's going to give a biased telling of history. Right. So how accurate is that going to be yeah and with yeah. sir cat or however yeah however you pronounce his name <laughs> like he always um puts on this i'm this awesome knight mm -hmm. and if kids encourage that <laughs> that's just going to boost his ego right, and yeah. change everything He's, he could have been a sad knight originally or just a really big bumbling idiot yeah which it's kind of what it seems like <laughs> like like a don quixote kind of thing yeah, it's like the, fighting yeah, imaginary exactly. things and right all that jazz. Tilting at windmills. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was just curious on on that, kind of drawing it from what we can... Actually relate to. Right, with discuss. the muggle stuff. Mm -hmm. A big part of art is also just being able to express something. So oftentimes, well, not often, but I would say it's safe to assume sometimes that things get a little exaggerated. Mm -hmm. especially when you're trying to point out a specific thing or idea. I always exaggerate stories when I tell them, yeah. just for, you know, well, fun. Well, it's, it's more exciting that way, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and actually there's a really great quote that I love from the movie Seabiscuit, and it's when the jockeys are talking about their cool adventures on the track and off the track, and um, one jockey says to the other, like, hey, you're exaggerating there, and the other jockey's all, everything gets longer in the retelling. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's really true. Yeah, it's, you know, it's always, uh, there were a, a hundred Dementors. Yeah. And so, like, there were eight Dementors. Yeah, to sprinkle on, the drama there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's one particular painting that um, I did a little research on, and it is The Death of General Wolf. And I can't remember the artist's name. Um, let's see if I can Benjamin find Benjamin West. Benjamin West, yes. So if you look that up on Google. We'll provide um, links. Yeah. Okay, sweet. That works too. <laughs> Make it easier for everybody. Yeah. 
so you have this picture. There's the general dying, and everyone's just crowded around him, and it's really dramatic. Everyone's concerned for him, right? Um, but I don't think that everyone on the battlefield was really crowding around him at that time. I mean, the people near... The battle near, would probably still be going right. on. Right. I mean, obviously the people near would be like that, but nobody, the whole scene wouldn't just stop. Um, just to describe it a little further, there's ships in the harbor, which is obviously indicating like cannon fire and stuff like that. There's smoke everywhere, buildings in the distance. There's like hundreds of people mm -hmm. in this painting. And then there's this very well, dramatic scene yeah, and that is smaller and, and more detailed uh, where, you know, everybody's crowded around and like, oh, there's not a war happening behind us. Right. And he still looks angelic. Yeah. That's the, that's another thing I thought was interesting. Like he still looks like this awesome type figure right. that they all praise. Very and, tragic. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Whereas in reality, he probably fell and he looks terrible because he was shot and stuff yeah, exactly. and yeah and another interesting thing is that there's um different races in there there's a native american in there and he's you know really thoughtfully he's looking upon the scene pose. yeah but i mean even he's deeply involved with this general's death and i'm like i wonder how close were the native american allies yeah um in this situation right so my thoughts, the artists wanted to present this case of this general um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say over-glorifying his death, that sounds mm -hmm. really bad, but um, using that to try and say, hey, this was an important figure and he, his death did have a big impact on us. Right. And that was one of the ways that the artist decided to explain that. With a lot of embellishment and... Yeah not historical accuracy. Right. I mean, there's, I mean, this is a really good example, but you could probably pull a lot of different historical examples where it's just like, I don't quite think that's what happened. You know? Right. So, um, relating that back to the Harry Potter world, you have to wonder with, uh, all the paintings being so old and, you know, knowledgeable, whether or not they, as a painting are accurate, and whether or not their personality is accurate. Right. You know, that sort of thing. So, sidebar, uh, just change topic really quickly. Uh, does Snape have a painting in the headmaster's office? I have no idea. I don't remember ever hearing about it, mm -mm. but he was a headmaster. Yeah, but by the time we went back into the headmaster's office at the end of the series, all the paintings were gone. Remember? Right? No, I don't remember that. Yeah. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because Harry is, he comes into the office and, oh, hey, the office is still standing, but all the paintings are gone. Huh. Or at least they're gone from their frames. Oh. I should oh, say. Oh, there you go. Yeah, sorry. So. I should have mentioned that part. Right. Yeah, no, I just, I was thinking about that. Um, I'm, I'm listening to Deathly Hollows now, um, and I'm almost done with it, and I was like, huh, you know, Snape dies. He was a headmaster. Does he get a painting? And I don't know. Well, maybe we'll never know. But it magically appeared when Dumbledore died. Like yeah. there was no, you know, no time for somebody to paint it, mm -hmm. no, and nobody knew he died. So like, yeah, like right away it was it was literally hours or less. So afterwards. did the did the castle make it? Yeah, 
you know, is it transfiguration magic or something like yeah. that? Yeah, and then does the castle have, like, some kind of brain or something? Intelligence? It seems like the Room of Requirement has yeah. a brain or intelligence or yeah. something like that. But now we're back to asking questions. I know! <laughs> <laughs> it's hard not to do. So another aspect that we wanted to talk about um, in the Harry Potter world um, was the fact that in Deathly Hallows, uh, the trio goes to visit Xenophilius's Love Goods house, and in there, Luna's bedroom has uh, artwork of all her friends, mm -hmm. and they're um, interlinked or holding like a big gold chain. But the chain says friends. Yeah, and instead it's of being so, links, it's so yeah, heart wrenching. It's I'm pretty like, adorable. I actually I posted a, a Luna Love Good uh, Facebook quote today. So she says to Harry. We're all still here, she whispered. We're still fighting. Come on now. After a bunch of Dementors come yeah. and he can't produce a Patronus because uh, Fred has died and he assumes Hagrid's dying or going to die and war is happening all around him. And he can't produce a Patronus and she just like lifts him up and says like, there's still a reason to keep going. Yeah, you know, I love like, that part. Yeah, it, it gave me goosebumps and... It's really good um but back to the art aspect um she so she has this big mural in her her bedroom that she's obviously painted and harry kind of describes it as having a magical quality while not being like the other paintings in the castle yeah like he they says, still can breathe yeah he says that they breathe almost you know and yeah. so i think that's his way of indicating that they're slightly there's there's some movement to them but they're not alive per se not as animated as the paintings you find in hogwarts or what right have you. absolutely so something to take from that uh carrie was thinking was in terms of artistic education how much do you actually need and how much is involved versus your magical ability yeah because obviously you can if you're a witch or wizard produce paintings that can yeah. move and interact but it's like what level mm -hmm. how do you get those skills to really make it realistic right so well and you know that also goes back to some of the questions that we were talking about in episode one where it's you know does it need to be realistic for it to be yeah. alive and moving you know or can it be like an abstract painting that mm -hmm. is slightly moving or something like that so i think that kind of answers that question you know we we depending on your your level of artistic ability versus your level of magical ability um you'll get different results yeah i when i envisioned doing this as our first episode i knew it would be uh very in depth but i did not know how many questions go unanswered <laughs> i think we know more about dumbledore than we know about how paintings work in the harry potter world yeah and i Maybe she just hasn't put a lot of thought into the workings of that. Right. Which is probably why we have so many questions. Exactly. <laughs> um, so to relate this back to the real world. Um, what? Okay. Oh, no. We got more? Uh, no. I would. No. It's Muggle World and Wizard World. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. The uh, Wizard World is real. <laughs> we right. just aren't part of it. That's right. all. I'd never got my letter. <laughs> I'm going to say it every episode. Um <laughs> Relating that back to the Muggle world, there you go. Uh, we did some interviews with some artists uh, who actually did um, 
three different mediums, and uh, they gave little speeches at the art show, which we did not record, which we probably should have Yeah, recorded. we weren't thinking there. No, that mm. would have been smart to do. Yeah, next uh, time. Next time. <laughs> um, but we did record interview questions with them, and we will play those now. So we interviewed Zach Wirtz, uh, who is a photographer in the Sioux Falls area, and we're going to let him describe his art to you now. Uh, first, we'll ask uh, your name. My uh, name is Zach Wirtz. And then um, if someone wants to look at your artwork, do you have a website or a Facebook? Um, don't have a website yet. I do have a Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is just Zach Wirtz. Instagram is exact underscore uh, photography, but exact is spelled E-X-Z-A-C-H. So a little play on words there. Very cool. Could you describe your artwork a little bit? Like what inspires you or what you focus on, how you became a photographer? Um, geez, it's just like a, like a really wide like answer, honestly. I started doing photography about a year and a half ago, almost two years. Um, Me too. Oh, nice. Uh, but no, it, it was just something that like, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, I kind of bounced around the idea of like, oh, well, I love playing video games, so I can like be a video game artist. No, I didn't really like that. And well, I love working on cars, but I don't want to do that for a living. And then someone's like, oh, why don't you try photos? And you seem to be really good at it. So I kind of started dabbling with that and started doing what kind of what I did and started doing cars and then didn't really like that anymore. Started like shooting buildings, like old stuff, just venturing out and taking photos of regular day items. And I absolutely love it. Like, I think it's just amazing. Very nice. Um, so we'll kind of introduce a little bit of the muggle or the wizard into the muggle world. Um, as you know, with the wizard artwork, the paintings come to life, they talk and they can interact with everybody. Um, as far as photography goes, though, they don't really talk, but they will move. So subjects do have um, a sort of life about them. Um, I don't know what would happen with a building, though. Yeah. Um, probably move in the background or something like that or like oh, if yeah. there's like a tree in front of it you see that just this tree swaying and changing on the day and the nights and stuff like that and weather all that I think that would be like the big thing of that yeah um do you think that if it if your pictures were in the wizard world they would um be able to interact with the viewers in a different way than how we view your photography yeah i think what i like honestly what i probably just said like as we just see it nothing moves it's just boom standing right there but as it's a, like a wizard to see it it'd be like almost like a just a live video almost just all the time seeing whatever what's going on in that exact location winter fall all that so so do you think that your artistic style would change at all knowing that your photography would move uh what I say is that it always changes. There's, I'm always taking pictures of new things, always trying to look up new ways to um, just, tell yeah, tell my story. Like right now I'm kind of like into like shadows and like black and whites and all that, so. If, cool. If you could have control of what, how your pictures would animate, um, what would you like them to do when people are viewing them? Oh geez, that's a good one. Um, yeah, what do you think? Um, if he could choose how his pictures moved, like you were saying that you were going into shadows, you really are interested in that. Like, would you change how the shadows move around or how um, everything is animated? Yeah. yeah. I would say if it was like shadows, I'd want it to be like changing kind of like, a, what do they call it? Like the old school clocks, like the old like sundial clocks. Sundial. There, there we go. Kind of like that where it's just every single hour of the day, it's just always changing and almost just warping into something else. So 
had like the water shots have like the water moving. Oh yeah, kind of like a long exposure or, photo. Uh, yeah. the, the sunset photos have, you know, like a time lapse. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I lost what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> um, got a couple more. Um, okay, I like this one a lot. And this will be our last one, I think. Uh, in what ways is muggle art better than wizarding art? The fact that it doesn't move. So what, what yeah. makes that better? Um, I guess just to be able to uh, capture like just that one just really awesome instance just be able to capture it like that instead of it always be moving always be changing there's i think there's just that i mean being able to capture once in a lifetime yeah, like moment yeah. you never get it back like the sunset photos never gonna have another sunset exact the yeah. same sunset next we have joan putman who is another local artist from this area and she will go into descriptions of her artwork history experience. My name is Joan Putman. I uh, am a classical realist painter. I study and I'm really interested in, in researching the old master style of painting. I focus primarily on still lifes and figures in, in portraiture. I have all my artwork on my Facebook page. So as you know, in the Harry Potter series, the paintings can move and talk and interact with whoever is viewing your artwork. Um, just wondering how you think your paintings would interact or your drawings would interact with people. My paintings and drawings are set up to be a story, to tell about some level form of lifestyle. And I try to select my subjects that is something that individuals can relate to in one fashion or another. And in that way, I hope that my paintings do speak to people. In the wizarding world, uh, if the painting is of a person, they actually retain their personality and they can speak. So uh, how do you think they would interact with, with your viewers? Well, considering my, my subject matter and their accomplishments, I think they would be first um, really grateful to be recognized and to be, I think they would be grateful that their mission, their, their cause is still going on. It's still happening. It's still of interest. They can still influence people. Correct. So they can kind of tell their their facet. I just think it was astounding as someone in the late 1800s and being able to accomplish what they did and hopefully it's really inspiring to our generation say you know if they can do it so can I. Absolutely. Uh, so how do you select the people that you decide to draw or paint? The story that you know they started and I would like to be a stepping stone to their story. Yeah. How they speak to you. Right. And you want to share that with others. Right. And, you know, and hopefully that message moves forward. I think artists are conduits. You know, we're a conduit from one, one place to another. And some people see it and some people unfortunately don't. But um, we keep hoping we find that little secret sweet spot so that everyone right. will understand. And the fact that it can be it can be a different message for different individuals. Right. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a painter, because I'm not a writer. Uh, I know I just get tongue-tied I you know I but I well, you're doing great tonight <laughs> but I you know I can um, 
I can give I can say more through my artwork and what I feel is important or what I want to show. Well, thank you so much thank and good luck. The last artist that we interviewed was Jerry Fogg and he will go into um, his artwork and kind of describe some of the symbolism that he uses since he incorporates that a lot in his artwork. Yeah, he's a multi-mixed media artist. Yeah, or yeah. Multimedia. Mixed? Multimedia. Okay, yeah. there we go. Yeah, so he'll use um, like artifacts sometimes and sometimes he'll use all these like different... Animal furs and stuff like that. Material, like, yeah. Yeah, so really interesting stuff. Mm -hmm. It's a Native American tribal art and it's under the title of multi-mixed media which objects are being put together to form a design which is behind glass. In the Harry Potter series, the paintings in the Wizarding World can self-animate and have conversations. Being multi-mixed media, was that correct? <laughs> which is actually kind of interesting because um, that kind of, that style of art is never brought up in the books at all. So we really don't have anything to go off of in that sense. So it wouldn't be like a, a, a photograph moving or, or a painting moving. So what do you think would change like with magic imbuing into your artwork? Well, the pieces that I take and use in the picture, each individually tell their own story and tale. And when you put them all together, it brings out the complete story of what event, historical, legend, lure, and uh, fairy tale, as you would call it, behind our culture. And um, each individual piece could actually, as far as you would like it to move, yeah. would move by a person saying, this is what this was for, did in the past. And one of the things I really enjoy about your pieces is that you have so much symbolism behind everything. Everything means something. And so um, in the Wizarding World, how do you think that symbolism would then um, interact or be interpreted by um, the Wizarding community? Well, I think that they would recognize it as the truth, you know, because each part that I have that is historically set, each document, each object and stuff, it is fact. And when person sees that fact and knows it's the truth, then it has demonstrated its purpose. Um, one of the things that we were exploring in our previous episode is actually art um, being historical documents um, for the wizarding community, so. Because um, the portraits and that sort of thing can talk. So like all of your George Washington's on the, the dollar sheet, uh, piece there would be able to speak and retain his personality and that sort of thing and and be able to um, tell people yeah you know, it, it would be pretty different wouldn't it They'd each all have a different <laughs> opinion I'm sure right so I mean and even even um, this this piece here with the uh, the bronze medallion that that person would more than likely move it might not speak but it might you know but he's saying his prayer so he would actually say the prayer to the stars Oh, great spirit, bring forth the knowledge that our people need to know about how to survive on Mother Earth. Yeah, I, I heard you describing it earlier um, in the reception. And, and that's the thing is like, that's what it's saying now as a still piece. But with it being magically imbued, you might actually hear that prayer being spoken. And that may, you know, convey even more to people and that sort of thing. So... 
And then another thing that you brought up when you were talking earlier at the reception um, towards the end about, you know, the how it's really hard to find someone who is pure Native American or pure whatever nationality um, it is. With these pieces, especially with them being historical, um, how do you think they would try to remind us or bring back that past? Well, I think it's kind of late to bring back that past, but what they would probably remind you of is to cherish what you was and what you can be, and then what you gotta accept what you have become in, in, in later life as you mix, blend, and such. I really loved your play on words on the, uh, the I, I, am. If you wanna briefly explain that to um, the listeners, that'd be, that'd be really cool because I thought that explanation of that piece was really interesting. Well, it's just, it's just all has to do with a lawsuit and people getting what they have coming. You know, actually, in my feelings and such, the people who are getting money, the Native Americans, for that loss of land and timber and minerals and everything else, aren't the people that should be getting it. But then somebody has to get it. The ancestors, I think, should have gotten it, but they're gone. So in other words, you know, we, we, we take that money and foolishly we, we blunder it and then everything is still gone. But we never had the choice to take the land back because the rivers are already flowing there, through there and it is all lost. But the IIM waiting was kind of an aspect to where when the government does something with certain um, people, they always take their time, you know, in taxes. You owe taxes, you pay it today. If you got money coming back, well, six to eight months, you'll get it. We appreciate you taking the time for us. So, thank you. I've got a funny comment that I just want to add. Okay, so interviews are all posted, whatever. I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. And I felt like we're journalists for a little bit. Yeah, it was really cool. And I was thinking, okay, if we're journalists and we write an article and we submit it to the Quibbler, we've got to have a good article title, right? Right. So I came up with one. Let's hear it. Okay. It is Muggle Artwork, A Moment Frozen in Time, or is it? It kind of follows (laughs) their normal frame. (laughs) I thought it was funny. No, I'm I'm laughing. It's going in the podcast. Sweet. so, yeah, it was really fun to go out there and just see some artwork and uh, buy some artwork. Yeah. Uh, I, I bought a print, uh, canvas print, um, of the State Theater in Sioux Falls for my uh, boss's wife, and she really liked it. So she's a big um, involved in the State Theater. So that was another thing that was really cool about going out there and interviewing people. You know, you don't, you didn't, I didn't go in there with the intention of buying art. And yeah. it just kind of happened. So Yeah. Well, we also had a talk, and I didn't catch his name, but yeah. the one sculptor with that wood piece. Yeah, he did a, a We should have recorded that, too. That would have been good, because he was, he was really, um, he, he did really interesting stuff. Um, it was a lot of different things. He didn't just do sculpture. He did, like, metal prints yeah. of digital artwork and, and that sort of thing. Uh, sorry, we did not record you. Next time, we'll grab you. <laughs> Next time, we do an art-based podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, maybe we will. Maybe it'll be a revisit or something like yeah. that. <laughs> um, or maybe JK will finally answer some of our questions. Yes. And then we can come back and be like, hey! <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet every episode at her and be like, hey, you have to listen to this. Yeah. And see what happens. <laughs> Probably nothing. But, uh... 
One of the interesting things about those interviews is that none of those people are really big fans of Harry Potter. No. Only so, one of them really, really knew about Harry Potter. Yeah, and it wasn't even, like, a lot. No. <laughs> Not like us. <laughs> like, uh, seen movies around or whatever. One or two. Yeah. And uh, so that dramatically changed how, or at least I feel that dramatically changed how the interviews were given, how their their answers were, were given. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't relate a lot to the wizarding world um, as much as um, I would think. And actually, I think that was a good thing because it didn't kind of color their answers as right. much. It, we gave them straight propositions and they answered them the way they would, you know. And I do have a question, though. Sure. From listening to how they describe their artwork and the process that they go through and what they like to um, present to us right. of their ideas and thoughts and philosophies, would you prefer muggle art or wizard art? Would I prefer? Yeah. Ooh. Which Which one? Well, as a mild artist myself, um, a photographer, I think I would prefer muggle art because I really like the aspect of catching a slice of life and not necessarily having all the details and kind of telling the story that I want to tell with it. And the idea of the artwork being able to speak for itself and, you know, do its own thing is um, not, not ideal because I actually take a lot of pictures of things or people that you know, at the time weren't interesting or good or mm-hmm. inspired or artistic. And then in the end, the shot looks really nice and is a good portrait or something like that. But if you really think about what actually happened at that time, it wouldn't have been, you know, it wouldn't <laughs> have been a good uh, wizarding photograph. So yeah, um, I, I think personally, I would prefer uh, muggle art. I would agree. And mainly with the things that you brought up, I think that with muggle art, it really allows you to interpret and really dwell on the subject matter of um, whether it's a painting, a sculpture, or what have you. Right. Whereas if it's kind of handed to you yeah, like definitely. a wizard painting. Well, I, I do video work too sometimes, and so you, you know, you... You're limited by what you captured. Yeah. So you can't just, you know, capture something and then change it to be something else. So with the idea of, you know, a a wizarding painting being constantly changing, constantly having a conversation or Mm -hmm. being different, it's like, okay, is this art anymore or is it a, a person that's been encapsulated in a frame? Oh, snap. (laughs) <laughs> Whoa, throwing down. <laughs> Mind blown. Uh, so, a couple things before we call this episode done. Um, one thing I noticed, I rewatched uh, some of the Harry Potter films since we last met. Uh, Chamber of Secrets, Gilderoy Lockhart intros his first class, and he's walking down, I think, some steps or something like that, only to happen upon a like six or seven foot tall painting of himself painting himself and I think maybe painting himself again I can't remember (laughs) it just keeps going on but but the fact of the matter is is 
that is the most recent non instantaneously created art piece that I can think of, but it's movie related, so it kind of doesn't count. But the idea that, I mean, did Gilderoy paint that? Probably not, because he doesn't seem to have any other talents. No, <laughs> but I find that incredibly fitting for him. Yes. Because he's... So self-centered and yeah. narcissistic. Yeah, but I love him for that. Yeah, it's fun. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's not a character that you end up hating, um, even at the end when he's being a big jerk. Yeah. You know, like you don't hate him, but you're like, man, this guy, what's he doing? He's just weird. And then you come across him, you know, a few books later, and you're like, oh, Gilderoy. Yeah, poor guy. <laughs> Look uh, at you're so cute and innocent because you have no idea. And I always thought it was fun in the books when, like, girls had crushes on him and stuff like that. But then watching the movie and then, like, seeing their, their looks and stuff like that. like little oh, creepy. <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's, it's just more fun, I feel okay. like. Like, you know, it's just, it, it's a... Expression that I wouldn't have attributed, maybe, you know, seeing it on Emma Watson's face, yeah. this little 12-year-old girl, like, swooning over, swooning over like, a 35-year-old <laughs> guy, you know, a little weird, but, uh, so, yeah, that was just a little fun bit of information, um, that in the movies, at least, there is recent artwork, and somebody's yeah. making it, but... Who is it? No idea, mm. but, uh, I, I don't know, maybe... Maybe J.K. is not a big art fan because she didn't, she didn't really go into um, a lot of the aspects of art um, in the Wizarding World. Mm -mm. Um, mostly just how they operated, yeah. not not you know what it was for and that sort of thing. And <clears throat> uh, that'll be, kind of be a topic in future episodes where we talk about. The things that JK doesn't talk about. Yeah. Um, specifically, like healing magic and friendship magic. Mm -hmm. And our next episode, dark magic. Da -da -dun. So look forward to that. Um, I think that's everything for this one. Uh, I hope you had fun listening to it. Uh, we sure had fun recording it. Yeah, it was a uh, blast. So uh, see you next time on Spare Bit of Parchment. I'm Paul. And I'm Carrie. Adios. <laughs> <laughs> and what is this? Snape had picked up the map. Harry tried with all his might to keep his face impassive. Spare bit of parchment, he said with a shrug. Hey, are you a major Harry Potter fan? And did you enjoy listening to us geek out? Do you want to geek out with us sometime? Message us and let us know if you'd like to co-host a, a podcast with us. Or if you have ideas that you would like us to cover in the future, yeah, topics. things that we're not um, covering yet that you want to hear more about. Or, we can push it up the queue. And don't forget to send us your comments.